Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. If you have your Bibles and you would like to turn, and I say that, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay too. But if you want to bring your Bible or bring a notebook or type something in on your phone, if something touches your heart, then you can actually remember it. Or if something stirs you up and you're like, I got to ask a question about that. I take notes all the time. I take notes all the time. But we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And how many verses are in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? 13. Say, preacher, that's an unlucky number. Why is un 13? Why is 13 unlucky? Someone made that up. You know in hotels they actually have it where it goes the 12th floor and there's like no 13th floor. It goes from 12 to 14. Guess what? After the 12th floor, the 14th floor is the 13th floor. Math is still math, right? So anyway, but this chapter I'd say it's not lucky but it's, it's one of the most important chapters to understand because you understand the love of God, the love of God. And that's really what this chapter is about. And what I uh, explain it as is developing your Christian superpower. So we're developing ourselves in 1 Corinthians, but developing your Christian superpower. I didn't know I had a superpower. Love is. A superpower. How do you get a farmer's daughter to fall in love with you? A tractor. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. We are in the South. This guy said, I told my girlfriend that she was drawing her eyebrows too high. And the friend said, well, what did she say? Nothing. She just looks surprised. (laughs) Charity. We're going to deal with charity. And charity is the word that the Bible and the King James, you'll see it over and over again. It's It's a misunderstood word. Because we think of charity as giving alms or giving a dollar or maybe donating to a cause so people can have shelter or eat food. And all of those things, those are good in their place to be a blessing to someone. And if you've ever received some food when you were hungry, it means something. And it means something. If you ever scarf something down just to make your stomach stop yelling. And so food is a blessing, but that's not what this charity means. The, the biblically charity, it comes from this Greek word, which you've probably heard before. And if not, I'm going to tell you, it's called agape. And there are different words for love in the Greek. And I believe that there are four in the New Testament. But agape, in chapter 12, Paul said, I'm going to show you a more excellent way to work your gifts. And so this more excellent way is the biblical charity that we're going to explore today. And biblical charity or love is really, it's true love. It's true love. It is the fullness of love. It's, it's a love in our heart that grows out for others because of the love we have for God. Because of the love that God had for us first. So let's look at 
Uh, let's look at our Christian superpower. And really, if you want to develop, say, preacher, is this really a superpower? Yes. There was a guy I was listening to on a podcast, and he was successful. He was successful as a businessman. And he said, I think he was on his third wife and his second heart attack. You know, So, I mean, they had money, and he probably had a big car, and he probably had a lot of you know, prestige. But something was missing in his life. Love. You see, if we're a success outside of our house, but not a success inside of our house brethren we're not successful and this is the superpower to make you successful inside your four walls of your house it's a christian superpower paul said though i speak with the tongues of men languages that's what he's talking about though i speak with the tongues of men and of angels you know angels have a language too and have not charity. This is this agape love. He said, I am becoming, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Just like someone beating a, one of those metal cymbals. It's annoying. Have you ever uh, seen someone and they have all this education and they can speak all this language, but their nose is high in the air? And Paul said, I'm just annoyed. And then he said in verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains say preacher that's a superpower but notice and have not this this agape this charity Paul said I am nothing well that's pretty amazing isn't it and then he said, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. Now that's more than paying your tithe. <laughs> and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So what he's saying in these first three verses, and I want to condense it. He's saying that this divine love is more than I can say. It's more in, that's in verse 1. It's more than you can say. That's what love is. It's not just words, right? 2, in verse 2, it's more than I can do. Even with great faith and great prophecy. And 3, it's more than I can give. Love is something that can be mixed into or left out of our actions. And we all know this because we've all been treated with love or treated without love. And it makes a difference. It, it makes a difference. Uh, there was a, a little Albanian lady. She changed her name. She became a nun. And she, she changed her name to Mother Teresa. She's from Albania. And she quotes, she says, we cannot do great things, but we can do small things with great love. I talked to a gentleman and he said he went to one of these big churches and you've heard of it, but I'm not going to mention it. And it was this huge cathedral, right? You know, one that's on TV and it's, you know, recognized around the world because he was visiting the city. So he just like, I'm going to go to the church there and I, you know, pretty cool. But he said, he said, I walked in there alone and he said, I walked out alone. 
And I was like, man, God, let that not be our church when people come in and, and nobody talks to them. I, I remember that it was a relative of ours, but they were going to a church to start, uh, to, to maybe, maybe, maybe make that a home church, you know, and it was their denomination, not New Testament Christian church. And the person said, nobody talked to them. Like no one was friendly to them. And let me tell you, this person would have been a supporter of that church. And they just, they, I don't think they ever went back, right? But brethren, love makes a difference. Love makes a difference. So uh, Paul said, he didn't say that doing things was wrong and saying things was wrong. But Paul said that we need to mix some things in there. And that's that love. And you know, you can do that. You can, you can mix it in with love. Uh, if people want to change their life, and you've heard that, it comes around at the end of the year, right? Man, I'm going to change my life. It's called the New Year's lie. No. <laughs> no. Right. So, um, yeah. so this woman went to a computer dating service, right? And she typed all her stuff in. She said, I don't care about looks. I don't care about income. I don't care about background. All I want is a man of upright character. That's all I care about. Then came a man into this computer dating service and he typed all his stuff in. It said, he came in, he said, he, the only thing he wanted a woman, he didn't care about looks, he didn't care about if she wore perfume or if she was uh, a nice dress. All she uh, wanted was a woman of intelligence. So the service matched them together. They had one thing in common. They were both compulsive liars. <laughs> but you know that when we say, I'm going to change my life. You know, if you're going to make a cake differently than you make it. But you use all the same ingredients. You're going to bake the same cake. The problem with the New Year's resolution is that we want to change and we want to put different ingredients in, but we don't. We end up putting the same ingredients in, and so our life doesn't change. And so what, what I'm saying is, and, and I want to introduce the next uh, four, five, six, the next uh, four verses. They're the nine ingredients, the next four verses of divine love. And I, and I would challenge you, these four verses could change your life. If you look, I'm not talking about memorizing them, but man, they'll make you think. You can, you can tack them up or, or read them when you go to a job site or before you go into an unpleasant meeting that you have to attend. Well, let's read it first, and then we'd like to go over these nine ingredients. If you mix these in, to your life, it will profit you, you will be something, and brethren, it won't be annoying. You'll be a blessing to be around if you're a lover of men and women's souls. The Bible says that charity, and again, this is the agape love, it suffereth long. That's where we get the word long-suffering, right? And is kind. Not kind of kind, but kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity. 
but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. So let's look at the nine ingredients. So if you want to write these down or don't, and I know that you can kind of divide them up differently, but these nine ingredients, these, this is, these nine ingredients will incredibly change your life. And you don't have to go to college to do this. This is something that you can do at an altar of prayer. Because if I've read that and I'm like, man, I've been disqualified. There was a guy that got his car disqualified from NASCAR because it was like something in the front grill. Have you ever read that? And you'd be like, man, I just DQ'd halfway through. I mean, it's like, you know what? But uh, let's look at the first one. Patience. Verse four, the Bible said it suffereth long. My wife is laughing at me, right? It's like, I want patience and I want it right now. Right now. Love is passive. This divine love you know what they say, these Australians, the laid-back Australians, you know what they say? No worries, mate. You know, when, when something goes wrong or maybe you're a little bit late and you think someone's going to be mad, those Australians would be like, I might, no worries. No worries, mate. What? They're patient. What? They suffer long. Don't laugh at me, okay, Sister Bigelow? She's laughing, so okay. Hey, these things are hard. These things, this isn't like... Uh, this is, this is the hardest thing you'll ever do, okay? But you know what? If you train for a physical event or you save money for a financial goal, it's the same to work on yourself spiritually. Don't think that Christianity is like something that you can do, like, you know, take your vitamin once a day. It is just as hard if you're going to develop yourself as a Christian as if you develop your body or go to college and develop your mind or learn a new language. It's like speaking a different language when you do it this way. It is. Because our, our other language is, uh, the second ingredient is not always this kindness. That's love in action, right? Never acts rashly. Verse 4. It says it's kind. Not inconsistent. Like, you know, it's like maybe my wife, she doesn't know what she's going to get. Is she going to get like the loving husband or like the drill instructor preacher? You know, it's like, which one are you today? Right? Kind or not kind? It's like, I'm going to give you a kind bar today, but not tomorrow because you weren't kind. Right? But kindness, love in action. You know, we all speak a language and it's our actions. It's our actions. And I know that maybe all of us, we've been treated well. And you know you remember that for the rest of your life if someone treats you well. But that's kindness. And the hardest people to love are not your enemies. They're your family. That's the hardest people to love. You'll love a stranger. You'll you know do things for a stranger. But when it comes time to love your family, man, that's work, preacher, right? But love is kind. Love equals kindness. That's what love is. The third thing, verse 4, love is generous. It's not envious. It's not jealous. So what's jealous? Jealous comes from the word zealous or zeal, right? So you have this competitive nature. You know, men are generally like that. You're like... Hey, how much can you bench press? Well, I bench press 150. Oh, yeah? Well, I do 160. And the other guy's like, I would do 170. You know, like, how fast is your car? And everything is like, 
Well, I know my car is probably not as fast as yours. I mean, <laughs> and I, I proved it by racing Papancito. I didn't know that my car was not as fast as his pickup truck. Why? We proved it, right? But men are generally competitive. Now, brethren, that's okay. Men are competitive. I understand. Women are too. You see women at the mall, and one will like do like a scan and check out the other woman. Because I've I've been with my wife, and I've seen women do the body scan on my wife. You know, because if you dress modestly, women will be like judge you. Then they go like, like who do you think you are? But Love in competition is not like that. We don't, you know, it's like, well, brother's car is faster or not as fast as mine. We joke around. I've been beaten by brother. Uh, I don't know if I've won yet. <laughs> but that's just for fun, okay? But the worst, worst than that is said that love is not envious. Love is not jealous of someone else's stuff. But envy is worse than love. Uh, envy is worse than jealousy. You know what envy is? And I've shared this before, but what color is envy? Does anyone know? Green. Yes, green. Why? Because you're sick. Envy means that you physically feel sick when someone gets blessed. Why? Because you feel that that should belong to you and you don't want them to have it. Hey, Bill got promoted and you're like, oh. Bill got promoted. I've been here longer than Bill. I hope no one knows a Bill, right? James got promoted. Like, if you feel that, in that you feel sick, you someone drives up in their brand new Tesla, they got a Tesla. And I didn't even get a Hot Wheels Tesla. That's envy. Brethren, that's not love. You know what? Well, preacher, what should I do when they get a Tesla? Can I have a ride? <laughs> Right. I, my friends have a couple of Teslas. In fact, another friend, they, they have a couple of Teslas. It's like, preacher, are they rich? They spend a lot of money on Teslas. I know that much. But uh, I, I got to drive a Tesla. Man, it was fun. And I got to race a, a, a car and beat them. Teslas are fast, man. I say, well, do you have something against someone who has Teslas? No, I think it's great. The Bible says rejoice with them. They rejoice. Man, I'm thankful. And uh, why? Because love... Is generous. Love just ju- just generous. You know, if God can bless them, the same God that can bless them, brethren, He can bless me too. God is a faithful God. Amen. God's good. Amen. So love is generous. Love is generous. Verse four. Excuse me. The fourth thing is also verse four. Love is humble or humility. You know that uh it doesn't parade itself. You know, humble comes from the word hummus, which means like earth. I know, not the stuff that you eat, which looks like dirt, that tastes good. Hummus, the chickpeas, right? But hummus is, means earthy. When you're humble, you're lowly. Didn't Jesus said, learn of me? He said, I'm meek and I'm lowly of heart. He was the one that washed the disciples' feet. Uh, I, I began to think of that book, Esther. And I've read the word, the, the book, and, and Esther, she's a blessing. She seems the hero, and the book's named after her. But that, to me, is not the real hero. It's Mordecai. Mordecai is this humble guy. He doesn't bow to Haman. He, gets, uh, he does things right, but he doesn't get recognized for it. He didn't even get recognized until sometime later, prevented an assassination of the king. But at the end of it, it said that Mordecai, he, just, he was just 
being a blessing and speaking peace to his people and giving judgment and justice. He was just there, humble, servant to be a blessing as a man after God's own heart. And I was like, man, that's the real humility and the love of God. Love is humble. The Bible says in verse 4, it, it vaunteth not itself. And then love, in verse 5, has courtesy. It doesn't behave itself unseemly, you know, when someone's out of order. You're like, that person is out of order, right? Uh, some people are out to lunch, but just some people are just out of order. It's just like, that's not, that's not the right way to act. Love, now brethren, this will change your life at home. Love is always easier to talk about than to do. Love is always polite. It's polite. The Bible says in verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly. It's always polite. I think of Pastor Olson, my pastor, and it's like, man, he is so consistent. And it's almost like he's not even real. It's like, that's not real. But then you hang around him and you realize he is like that all the time. And it's just, he's a man under God's control. And it's just, he even sits, I watch him sit down and like both of his feet are on the floor. He's just like a man in control. And brethren, he faces stuff like we all face stuff. I know a little bit more maybe than the average Christian uh, about what people face and he's getting older. But brethren, that love of God shines through him. And I've seen it shine through other Christians too. They're just that way. Love is courteous. And in verse 5, the sixth thing, love is unselfish. It's unselfish. That's the essence of love, right? The Bible says in verse 5, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. The Bible says that this love isn't sour, it's not bitter, it seeks the good of others, and it says here, uh, is not easily provoked. It doesn't seek revenge. Have you ever done, been done wrong by someone? Say, preacher, what am I going to do? I'm going to go and beat their windows out with a pipe. The Bible says that, that God will repay. God's going to take care of everything. Right? Nobody gets away with anything, but love is unselfish. And you know a real definition of love is unselfness. Real definition of love is I see a need in you and I'm going to fill it. That's what real love is. I see a need in you. It doesn't matter about me. Love isn't receiving. So yes, it is. Absolutely not true. Love is giving. Love is a one-way street. For God so loved the world, he received. That's not even a scripture, right? I don't care what version. For God so loved the world, he, he gave. He gave his only begotten son. And we know that he gave his life on the cross. Why? That whosoever believeth in that love... And what Christ did on the cross would not perish, but have everlasting life. So the sixth thing, or the seventh thing, excuse me, verse five, good-tempered. Oh, my wife, don't laugh. Never irritated. Have I ever read this? Never resentful. Never get irritated. I'm always irritated. Eight, verse six. <laughs> 
righteousness. Righteousness. The Bible says in, in, in verse 6, rejoiceth not in iniquity. Righteousness. Thinketh no evil. Never glad when others go wrong. Why? Because we're supposed to love our enemies. That's a great harvest ground of people that don't know Jesus. And I've got to love people that don't know him. The last thing, sincere, verse 6. Sincere, honest. The word integrity, it comes from the word integer, right? You know what an integer is? It's a whole number. It doesn't have a partial, like not like 3.2 is not an integer. An integer means like one, two, three. There's a wholeness to in sincerity or integrity. When you go to the court, you put your hand on the Bible and they say, tell the truth. But it's more than that. The whole truth, right? Nothing but the truth. So help you God, right? But the love of God is truthful. It's sincere. It's honest. And then the Bible said it bears all things, believeth all things, and hopeth all things. And then in verse 8 it says, charity never faileth. I've got a few minutes, but it goes into the next life. You know, there's a next life after this life. The Bible says charity never faileth. That means... Have you ever had engine failure, like in an airplane? Hopefully not, right? Or, or your engine failed, it just means it quit. But the Bible here, it doesn't mean that it'll fail morally, but it says that charity is never going to stop. It's ever-present, it's eternally abiding, it's never going to go away. Thank God. Thank God for the love of God. It's never going to quit. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. What do you mean? Well, I'm going to continue this, just let me read the rest of the verse whether there be tongues they shall cease whether there be knowledge it shall vanish away so this is talking about when jesus christ takes the church to heaven you're not going to need prophecies because you're going to have an enlightened mind so there's going to be no need for preachers to prophesy you're going to understand all the languages so there's going to be no need for interpreting tongues there's going to be no need. We're going to know even as we are known. You'll need know other people's names. I mean, uh, you're going to have a glorified mind. So these things are only partly useful, but the love of God is eternally useful. The Bible says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. He's talking about right now. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And again, he's talking about the rapture of the church when God takes us up. And it says, he likens it or uses a metaphor here. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So when you're a child and you become an adult, the adulthood supersedes the childhood. Same person, right? But you've got greater strength. You've got greater knowledge. You've got greater perception. And... Paul said that when you go to heaven, the things that you do down here, they're like childish compared to what you're going to be doing up in heaven. And you're just going to put away the childish things. You're going to be at a higher level. You know, people talk about take it to the next level. Well, when you go to heaven, you're going to be at the next level. You're not going to have to like crack your back and like, you know, like 
uh, you know, wake up and, you know, no, it's going to be a glorified body. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's probably going to be no gyms in heaven. I mean, a guy named Jim, but no gymnasiums, right? Because you're going to be like, everyone's going to be super buff or whatever. I mean, whatever, but super fit, right? Because you're going to have a glorified body. It's going to be an eternal body. Thank God, right? My, my, maybe my nose will still be big, but right? But anyway, so, but he's saying here that we're going to have a superseded intelligence a superseded wisdom he's uh by by the things of heaven and we need to focus because the corinthians were all focused on the spiritual gifts those were the highest things but paul said the greatest thing is love he said for now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face now i know in part but then i shall know even as i am known you won't have to wear hi my name is paul when you're up in heaven you'll just know people hey are you Abraham? And you're like, why, yes, I am. So, but when uh, he ends the account here, it says, now abideth eternally, three things, right? Faith, hope, and charity, which is love. These three. But the greatest of these is the superpower for Christians. If you want to change your house and make it into a home, what is that? A house is built with bricks. No. No. Mm. I'm trying to remember how that, how that goes, but it's the difference between a house and a home. Ah, a house is built, a house is built with stones and beams, but a home is built with love and dreams, something like that. The difference between a house and a home is love. And this superpower can turn your house into a home. And the house, the home is the building block of our country. And it's the building block, the family is the building block of our world. Amen. So, as at, I'd like to end with this. I'm not going to talk about the Ten Commandments, but the Two Commandments. <laughs> two Commandments? Yep, there's two in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36 to 40, this man said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. That's number one, love God. Second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. There's a guy named Joshua Fields Milburn. He said, love God. Well, excuse me. He said, love people, use things, and not the other way around. The root of all evil is misplaced love. And it's when we love something that's not people. We love money. Money's a great tool, but people are actually more precious to God than tools that we use to buy things. Money's a blessing, but at the end of, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, end with this. I want to ask a question. And it was something that I heard that made me kind of think about it. And maybe you can just think about it. What is success? And I just like to kind of let that, that go with you. So we're all looking for success in life and, uh, you know, in school it's getting straight A's, right? Or maybe it's a million dollars to some people or maybe it's, 
having a certain type of car, a certain type of watch, or a certain type of something. But what is success? What is success? How do you define that in your life? But say, preacher, I don't know. Well, how are you going to know if you're successful then? If you don't know what success is. But let me tell you, consider this. What about something like peace? Could that be success? Say, preacher, but what about this money? But do we have peace? I think that that would be pretty successful. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And the Bible said, against such there is no law. A house full of love, that's successful. A house full of joy, that's successful. And a house full of peace, that's successful. I think that's success. You know, money comes and money goes, but uh, God can make us successful. But we have to define what success means for us. And, you know, making money is a blessing. Uh, you know, it's good to be able to pay your bills. Um, but is that really success? I think we need to think about what we think success is because then we'll be able to look for it. And I think that we can have success in meaningful things. And the peace of God, brethren, that's success. There was a, I'd like to close with this, but there was a uh, missionary, well, they, they went to preach in the inner city. And they were in these apartments. And he said these neighboring kids would come by and come to their house. It was a couple. And they came to their house and just fell asleep on their floor. <laughs> and they were wondering why the kids would come to their house and just fall asleep on the floor. You know what later they realized? These kids were subject to violence. They were subject to... You know, all these other things in, the, in those apartments that they lived in. But when they came to these Christians' houses, this Christian couple's house, there was a peace. And you know what happened when they, they got to that? They just felt relaxed and went to sleep on the floor of their house. I think that Christian couple's successful. I don't know their name. I don't know how much money they have. And I know the world likes to tell you, Instagram, people with the poochy lips in front of their you know, big house and the big pool and the fancy car that's probably rented, you know, <laughs> and they they're like have the perfect tan. Is that success? But, you know, we have to see what is success because that's what I'm looking for. And that's what unconsciously I'm, I'm telling my kids about what it means to be successful. And so I'm not saying that there's an answer there. I'm saying that we need to tell ourselves what the answer is and then go for it and be successful in God. Because one day he's going to say to the Christian, well done, good and faithful servant, and we want to be faithful to him and make it into heaven. Brethren, that's real success at the end of this life, but success in this life is something we need to think about so that we can pursue it. Amen. So that's your Christian superpower. Develop your superpower, and you know what? You'll see results. Just read those four verses, verses four, five, six, seven. You'll see results when you begin to practice your superpower. Superhero training starts tomorrow. Amen. And if you have something good happen, man, share it with someone. You'll see results like that day. That's, that's when you'll see the results. Amen. God bless you as our prayer brother David. Could you dismiss us?